Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 63. In this show, we will review UFC Vegas 13 Santos versus Teixeira and preview UFC Vegas RDA versus Felder. Yes, you heard that right. RDA versus Felder. The bad signal woke up, went up, and the man with just like the biggest set of stones in the UFC, Felder, hopped in on six days notice to fight RDA at 155. Uh, I am Bob Austin, your favorite garbage man at ME State of Mind on Twitter here with real Mike, Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win. Also, Mikey Gilman at Mikey Gills over there. He's got a tape measure. We'll figure out what that's for. Uh, and that's Mikey Gills with a Z again. We got a cease and desist letter from the guy without the Z. It's it's getting ridiculous, and we don't want to have to pay him any type of stipend every time you guys send him inappropriate messages, inappropriate gifts, those little videos of you doing that stuff to yourself. That's all on you. No judgment, but it. it, it I, I don't want to get sued. Um, also next week, the show. he's showing up. Yeah, next week. We might have to have him on the show. I mean, he's getting so much notoriety. Um, also, follow the show on Twitter at MMA4MoneyShow. We'll tweet out videos pics share stuff from the site just all kinds of stuff real mike how are you doing i'm doing absolutely amazing man stoked to be here with you and mikey here talk about some ufc past and present and uh, get into some bets and some DraftKings. so let's go now mikey gills our resident oilers fan how are you doing oilers fan i don't even understand what that means but um just adding stuff yeah, no, Orioles, no Oilers. I, we've been over this. I don't watch stick and ball sports. You're yeah. lucky enough that I got the first letter right. Oh, all right. Well, all right. Well, I, credit for trying. Uh, anyway, I'm doing great. I was at a house party for the Ravens game this weekend, and I got a bunch of random people to play daily fantasy football against me. I took everyone's money in the house. Completely true story. So let's go. Well, that's perfect. Well, you know what? The MMA4 Money Show is here live. If you're watching us now, obviously you understand that. If you're not, hey, we're live on Tuesday nights. We're here on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube. Uh, you can find the show after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, just the straight RSS feed. We have all the links over there. We tweet those out at least weekly. Uh, we're also on YouTube after the fact on full-length shows as well as tidbits, little breakdowns, and reviews. Please subscribe to that YouTube. You will never miss a thing. You'll also get a notification when we're live, like right now. Okay, so comment and share. Please spread the word. We're trying to grow this thing. We're going to jump right into my shining moment, which was UFC Vegas 13. Send us for Teixeira. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're going to go through just quick results uh -oh. happen we're gonna hit a few key ones uh any ones that we had bets on the bets for the show and obviously we're gonna review DraftKings uh at the end but we're gonna go over just some quick stuff here so the results as they lay is gustavo lopez past guest of the show i would say the Our only fight past only fighter past guest of the show but obviously we've had ken shamrock too so the only current fighter past guest of the show got a first round rear naked choke Max Griffin took a dude's ear off and got a TKO. Darren Elkins, the damage, got a third round rear naked choke. 
the future heavyweight champ as far as we're saying it. Alexander Romanov got a forearm choke submission. You, If you didn't see it, you should look it up. That's some white belt stuff right there. He just makes people look white belt right there in that first round and then considered to take, uh, proceeded to take down his coach, which was a nice little thing. Uh, uh, Mr. Beatbox himself, Chikadze, got that first round TKO head kick and ground and pound. Yes, dude got a finish. He needed one. A little bit too many decisions there. Shanyon uh, Yan, Got the unanimous decision there against Claudia Gadea. Brandon Allen versus Ian Heinish got canceled. Hey, guys, we only had one this last week. That's some kind of record for a Vegas fight. Uh, Rayoni Barcelos got the unanimous decision over his Khalid Taha. And turn back time, Andre Arlovsky in the co-main event got a 29-28 unanimous decision over Canadian future prospect, current prospect. I mean, he's still in his 20s for a heavyweight, so he's he, he's basically an infant. Tanner Bozer got the unanimous decision. And then Glover Teixeira. Got the third round rear naked choke. I wish someone would have called it that way. Uh, the plus 200 there. <laughs> Sorry, I said I would talk smack going into this show, how the last show ended. But before we yeah. hit a couple of the high points, because there's at least three or four of these fights that we have to talk about, absolutely have to talk about, I just want to quick go to Mikey Gills so we can just go over DraftKings and then we'll hit a couple high points and we'll get everyone's perspective. So, Mikey Gills, how did DraftKings go? Uh, yeah, so right off the bat, you just mentioned it a second ago. We did have to change the card up as the week went on, uh, more specifically hours before the card started. So a little bit of a panic right there. Wasn't exactly the card we wanted to put out. Ended up going four of six, I'm sorry, three of six for 413 points. Definitely not the best card that we could have put up in you know an ideal situation. But also, again, not the absolute worst thing ever. We had a couple of finishes. We were good for that. But we're going to start off with Darren Elkins. $8,700 for 120 points. He, he secured the third round rear naked choke in what might be the most Darren Elkins fight of his whole career. He struggled at times. He got beat up and then he rallied for the sub. Rumble, young man, rumble. Next up, $7,400 for 115 points. I was forced into this pick and it worked out. So as long as no one goes back and listens to my actual pick, I am on the right side of history here with Lover Teixeira. So thanks, Bob. Thanks, me. Suck it, Mike. We got it right. Ha! <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't even want to talk about it, bro. But I, I knew. I told you. When Bob calls these things, when he wants to burn a Roxy, I don't say a word. I don't say yeah. a word. I just I trust my boy, and I follow his bet. Unlike you, you just always want to hear my boy's picks. I always back my boy. And when he told me that Eric Spicely took down the, the, the Santos or uh, – Santos, I freaking, I jumped ship. I was done. I was done. I literally was done. I, all my words, I ate. I was wrong. Yeah. I talked so much shit. I thought Santos was going to win. I thought he was going to destroy him. I, and then Bob came with me with, he literally told me one thing, and it changed my whole perspective. He said, Eric Beisley took him down. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, and that's why I started Glover, because, you know, just you, you listen to the good advice. But anyway, moving right along. It's like it's almost like that pick that I originally made never happened, because if you check the books, it's always going to say I picked them. Anyway, Alexander Romanov up next, nine thousand dollars, one hundred and nine points. And look, it wasn't as pretty as we had hoped. But if we're if we're at a stage where we're criticizing someone for getting a first round stoppage, then he's probably still in a good spot, regardless of the circumstances. But anyway, Alexander Romanov, one hundred and nine points. Next up. Tanner Bozer, $8,900 for 34 points, a fight that put me to sleep. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. I'm not being like, oh, it was so boring. I mean, that fight literally put me to sleep. I woke up when it was over because absolutely nothing was happening in this fight. Arlovsky did just enough to get the win, and then the universe laughed at me for picking against my original favorite heavyweight. Anyway, next up, Ramiz Brahima. 
7,700 hours, 22 and a half points. Top five with a bullet onto the list of my favorite ear cutoffs of all time. He is right up there with Van Gogh, Reservoir Dogs, King Ralph, Mick Foley, and now Ramiz Brahima. He is on that very important list. Last up, Bavon Lewis, $8,200 for 13 points. Not sure what to say here. I read the tea leaves wrong. I looked at his two early losses against uh, higher-up competition. I saw him coming back in more of an establishment fight. I thought that he was going to come back in this fight and actually start to establish himself and show off a little bit. Not at all what happened. It's clear he's not ready for this. I'm never going to bet on him again, or at least at any point in the near future. So, again, that was uh, three of six for 413 points. Not our best card, but I've got a lot better leans into this card than I did last week, so I'm excited for it. Let's go. Now, we're just going to quick hit a couple key points here. Um, This is not specifically just bets of mine. We want to hit a couple key ones. So we're going to go over Gustavo Lopez because obviously past guests of the show. And I know for sure me and Real Mike both bet on it outside of the show because we didn't have odds yet. We didn't even have this fight yet. Otherwise, he would have been a bet at the time. We're going to go over that. We got to talk about the year. That's for – I don't want to, but we have to. Got to talk about Romanov and then – Teixeira, basically. Teixeira. So we're Teixeira. Gonna, <laughs> and we got to go off the first one for sure. So Gustavo Lopez, for those of you who are new listeners, boy. new listeners of the show, you got to understand, we interviewed him on the show, might get him back at some point. He looked amazing against Rob Davishvelli, lost the fight, but looked great early and was really doing well. Um, obviously, he ended up losing that fight, but short notice, all that stuff. And here they got Anthony Burchek, last minute, Past UFC fighter, past MFC fighter. Dude's got a championship ring somewhere from MFC, the Canadian organization. And he just weighed lace to him. Just completely destroyed him in the first round. Hit him with power early and then ended up getting the rear naked choke. Now, I know I had a bet on this. Sorry, it wasn't official for the show. Again, as me and Real Mike will talk, it would have been. But obviously, we didn't have this at the time. Part of the issue of having uh, one of the first shows and breakdowns of the week, but hey, we both also we both also posted it. Like we tell you, follow our Twitter for mm-hmm. for bets that aren't on the show uh, that are part of the show still. We posted on the, the right when we saw odds, and then we looked mm-hmm. into it. Bob and I both tweeted out that we're firing on Gustavo Lopez, and you know we were going to back our boy because, like we said last time when we interviewed him after the Marab fight. He had such a high, high ceiling to us, and we thought he did so well that, that he was just going to continue in the future with bright, bright lights. And I'm so stoked for our boy Gustavo Lopez. Hopefully he'll jump on the show here uh, in the near future to talk about his W and just uh, to elaborate on that uh, rear naked choke. But, dude, man, he looks so impressive on his feet. And when he got down him down on the ground, he was not fucking around, man. He sunk in that RNC, had his head tight on that dude's shoulder, and he sunk that bitch in deep deep it wasn't just like oh he had a very naked choke he motherfucker had that dude's neck choked and cinched up so great job gustavo lopez we're huge fans of you and uh congratulations now mike gills i don't know if you had this or obviously this line came out so late i don't even know if it was a factor for you uh going for DraftKings. but in terms of performance where were you at for lopez versus beer track beer track hey, what I, I, I'm going to say it because if not, Real Mike's going to jump in and say it anyway. There was a uh, DM conversation between Real Mike and I about Lopez versus Bavon Lewis in our DraftKings lineup. And um, Mike was very, very confident putting Lopez in there. And for whatever reason, I just didn't trust it at the time. Went with Lewis instead and it didn't work out. So if he does come on the show, just don't tell him that. <laughs> I, love, I love you, Gustavo. <laughs> no, I love you, Mikey. If you told him that and said, now you learned, he'll probably say something like that. Um, uh, moving on. I mean, we talked about it uh, before the show. I tried my, I didn't watch this fight live. I watched it after the fact and I knew what had happened, 
So once it started getting to that point, I just I just had to tap out. I I could not watch the remainder of the uh, the ear flap. That's okay. just something about the flapping is what pushed me to the point that I'm not I don't need to finish watching. I know how it ended. So I guess we'll start with Mike Gills here and then go to real Mike. Any takeaways from the just the the that where yeah like, yeah there is a takeaway to it. Do, do you want to know what the takeaway is? The takeaway is if you're a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu specialist. Try for a takedown. A takedown. <laughs> if not, you might lose your ear. That should be that should be like up on the wall at his jujitsu school right now. Go for takedowns or he cut your freaking ears off. Like I, I don't know what else to say. That's my only real takeaway. What do you guys have? Ah <laughs> uh, man, I'm I'm just I'm kind of upset because if you go back to the last podcast uh, when we, we discussed this fight, I, I told you I liked Bahimov. I liked his jujitsu. I said that he had a great great thing going down on the ground, but I said specifically. I have not seen his stand-up. He goes and shoots in for a takedown so fast that I've seen nothing. And what happened? Fucking Max Griffin decided to show up and fucking mince his face up and specifically his ear. And holy shit, dude. So on this specific fight outside of the of our, our, our show bets, I personally bet fight goes the distance. Because I thought that Brahimov was fucking going to be tough enough the last three, and I didn't think Max Griffin had enough in him to put Brahimov after everything that we talked about. So I fucking ate shit on this fight. It was fucking <laughs> hilarious. It, when, it was, when I should have just bet Griffin and known, and known he had better striking and, and for sure the all-around better game, but you learn to live and you learn, and Brahimov is never, ever, ever, ever being bet again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just just laughing at the whole scenario, and then just in general the the, the fight to be. It's like I just yeah, okay. Uh, moving on to the future heavyweight, just like I mean, it's it's just it's gonna happen. Um, no. Granted, this was no. a, a good test, obviously, but this was this actually was probably lined a little bit closer than it should have been which was going to be his debut fight before it fell through and he fought somebody else. Just Romanov just tearing through Delima. Just was, he was across the cage and had that man down inside of five seconds. It was, oh, it was a straight up Goldberg spear. It was it, fantastic. It was, it was wonderful. I was surprised he didn't get the finish then, but then obviously getting, getting the submission. So obviously beyond impressed with that. Um, Real Mike, how'd you feel about our just prime heavyweight prospect we got here? Oh man, that that first double leg that he speared him, like you said, Goldberg style. I that I was stoked. Um, he but he started getting pieced up on the feet a little bit, and I was getting fucking a little bit worried. I was like, holy shit, motherfuckers laid a lot of money on the money line for this. Not <laughs> us, not us, but holy shit, holy shit, there's people on the money line. And then I was like, fuck, man, why is this? this? And then I was like, when is he gonna get him? And then he got him down, man, and he had his forearm against his carotid artery on the the side, near side of the throat. And if you've ever been in jujitsu and you have guys that are bigger than you and have more experience, they'll, they'll uh, try to pull this off uh, as well as approve your necktie or, uh, you know, uh, a Von Flew. Uh, there's just certain things that these guys do when they're more experienced. And But on this one, it was literally just brute power strength. And he just knew that if you put enough pressure on someone's carotid artery, that they're going to go to fucking sleep. And holy shit, dude, he just put that good guy to sleep and... You know, I was stoked for Bob, stoked for the show, stoked for everything because we pretty much called uh, it to a T, and uh, I just couldn't have been happier. Yeah, I don't know if that submission uh, should go by the forearm choke name or just call it what it looked like, which is because that's just kind of what I saw it as. But I don't know, just you know, like Mike said, he, the stand up for Romanov did worry me a little bit. He was getting kicked in the legs, particularly a lot. 
So that's something to look forward going uh, going forward. Plus, up against the cage, his takedowns weren't as effective as I thought they would be. But still, again, we're criticizing a guy for a first round finish, and that's you know that's where we're at with yeah. him right now. Yeah, I'm sitting on my couch at home criticizing a guy who works his ass <laughs> off. No, it's it's good to know going forward that, like you said, they can't really check the late late kicks at all, and his takedowns in open space are phenomenal. But up against the cage, he doesn't quite have like that that drop or that tripping game added into it yeah. in, in enough of a way, which is it's good to know going forward. But even even then, it's like being able to pin most of these heavyweights up against the cage for an entire round will tire them out enough. Help you get easier takedowns as it goes. And I'm sorry, as just as a quick how to do obviously uh the first one isn't for the show but like we said both me and mike had a bet on gustavo lopez so if you follow that awesome we won't count that for the show but we like we said we post some stuff on twitter occasionally beyond that of the show and because we usually have tendency to agree on the ones that we bet on the show and obviously we didn't have lines for that but uh the reason i wanted to rebring that up is because we did the only official bet since we had the Allen Heinish fight get canceled uh, for the show was Alexander Romanoff by submission, which was plus 150. I had said on the show it was going to be a bet. If it was at plus money, anything at one of the books said plus 170. But by the time it was released everywhere, it was plus 150. So plus 1.5 units on one bet. So and we're and, and continuing our streak of six and a no the, uh, right there after the, the max bet loss that we took we always, long ago. We always make up for that. And we always make up right back. And then we, uh, if you want to count Gustavo Lopez, you know, to the people who bet it, that's seven. Mm-hmm. So either way, that's part of the show and part of what we do. We don't, we don't do this for, profe- we're not professional, but we don't do it to feed our families. We do this for, because we love the sport so much. We love that your fans love the sport so much and we want to give you guys a better outlook. Guys like Mikey Gills come in here and dedicate themselves with the DraftKings lineup that I have absolutely no knowledge about. And uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy all the knowledge that Mikey Gills brings, Bob brings, and I bring. Because outside of this, we work 60-plus hours a week at our jobs. Yeah, no, I have one, one little thing I can add to that is mm-hmm. um, working at my job in particular, we deliver the mail. Thanks to our the ballots that we delivered, sports gambling was legalized in Maryland. So I'm about to jump on your bets all the time. Here's to you. Let's go. Hey, uh, th- there you go. Well, the, f- the final thing that we need to talk about is the, at least for this fight card, is the main event, which was Tiago Santos, Mass 240 verse, the old veteran, Mr. Garage Wade champion, who has been training on his own forever and has been tailor made for this pandemic. Clever Teixeira, <laughs> plus 200. Um, so, so wait, wait, on this one, the only reason you didn't bet this, Bob, was because I, I back you always. I've never said no to a, a, one of Bob's big underdogs. I don't think ever really, Bob. I, well, no, I already had a bet on this card. Mine no, no, was no, Roman on by sub. We didn't bet this because of the main card, too. Like it was the, we don't like betting the main event. Sorry. Right, we don't like main yeah, events, so that was it. Yeah, the, the the entire reason we didn't bet it on the show was because we have a bad tendency of betting the main event. So, so bet it, just not on the show. So apparently, that's that's the workaround. As long yeah. as like we do it, but not on the show, it still goes through. So, <laughs> as far as like, yeah, we found a way to go around the bad luck there. So, uh, real Mike, I want to hear your takeaway from the main event because obviously Tiago Santos was landing a little bit early. It was a close first round. I still kind of marked. Teixeira, and then he actually Santos came out strong in the second uh, until uh, Teixeira taking it in the third. How did you feel about the main event, and where do you want to see Teixeira after this? Um, the main event was ruined for me the day we did the podcast on <laughs> Tuesday when my boy and my host and one of my best friends, Bob, who I spent a lot of time with, he told me that Eric fucking Spicely has taken down Santos. Like, I, I it, it rang with me all fucking 
week. All week. All week, I was like, you that way. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna happen. I know Bob thought about it. It's really gonna happen. I thought that's that's Tashera's gonna come in. He's gonna fuck this dude up. And I and I, it didn't matter what I thought about. I I, I know Santos was hitting him hard and he was banging him and doing a lot of cool stuff. I knew that Bob was right. I knew that if Eric Spicely took this fucker down, that Tashera Glover fucking Tashera was gonna take him down and absolutely beat the shit out of him. And so. I was cheering Santos on in my mind and heart, like a little schoolboy cheers, like Christmas to come and Santa Claus like to come down the chimney. And I'm praying that it could happen. But I know when I pray like that, I'm going to lose. And I'm so glad I didn't bet this. I just, I'm so glad I don't bet main events. I'm glad that, I, I, you know, like I said, I didn't touch it. But what I'm upset about is that Bob got, didn't get to bet it when he, uh, for the show, he bet it personally. He posted on his Twitter. It's all proof of that in general. But, I just love when Bob calls these big underdogs because most people don't even have faith at all. And uh, so I just mad props to my boy, Bob. This is why I love doing the show with him because he always gives a different look than me. And it just, it's just awesome. Now, Mikey Gills, I know with much trepidation, because we were talking a bit on Twitter, that you did not want to have to share in your lineup. Uh, but he ended up in there, so you win. <laughs> I just want to address some rumors and allegations that are going around the Twitter sphere. Ever since I saw Glover Teixeira fight John Jones live at Royal Farms Arena, I said, that guy's got hard. I'll never bet against him ever. So never a doubt in my mind. I was just fooling everybody, trying to get the line back where we needed it to be so that you guys could bet on it. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a great line. Thank you. You give great excuses, bro. We need to get you as a politician immediately in the Maryland area. If all you guys know any Democrats or any Republicans or need someone to sway you their way, Mikey Gills, ready, with a Z, on Twitter. Yeah, at either party, I'm open to suggestion. Libertarians, if you need it, let's go. I'm good. Dude, I'll be a pescatarian for the right amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never go vegan. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Um, sorry. That was combining both politics, dietary, and sports. So basically, we hit the whole trifecta there. Things you don't talk about. <laughs> Just wanted to, obviously, this is, this is one of the reasons that, like, it, the history of this show, granted, there's been a for, for the last number of months, actually, there hasn't been too many additional bets uh, on Twitter. It's pretty much just stuck with the show. Um, but there has been a few instances where we had extra. They don't always cash. Obviously, I'm not saying that every extra bet cashes, but in this situation, it did. So it's like if you ever want more action, keep an eye on the Twitter accounts. The same reason you keep an eye on Mikey Gill's Twitter account. Like somebody falls out, he has to change things. Same thing. Like if certain fighters fall out, I mean, it's not an official bet for the show, but it's like we'll probably still have at least something on there for a little bit of action for ourselves and for you so we're gonna jump right into in my opinion a better fight card just by like two moves in the last if you could i realized when i turned my hand there, it looked like a one but it was sideways with those either way i thought you were that's, like that's for the video people obviously all you audio people are like what is he talking about i did the rock on symbol but it was tilted to the side so it looked like i was just holding up my first finger and then i realized that so i turned it yes i know this is bad radio we're moving oh. on or one in, one in the pink, two in, I don't know. You don't have <laughs> fingers up for that one. Okay, so. I saw, I, I thought about that right now. I was like, well, wait, you're dumb. No, uh, the crazy thing about this fight card, since certain fights has fallen out, they have jumped around the fight order like crazy. So to my knowledge, this is the current fight order. Granted, there might be more cancellations in between. So especially for DraftKings, keep an eye on Mikey Gill's Twitter. It's very important that he follow him because like sometimes same like day of, he's fixing stuff. So it's always good to keep that. Because just necessarily we get the lineup for the show, but sometimes that changes. 
keep an eye out. Same thing. Go ahead. I had a question. Uh, Mikey Gills, so, uh, last week, what did uh, Claudia Gadelia uh, and that uh, and Yanya and Exanyan, or however you say it, uh, score on the points-wise? Um, I never, to, I never, I'd like to just know, I would just like to know the, the numbers on that because I would like to know how right we were about, she didn't get much distance and didn't get, get, get off a lot of damage, so I wonder, did she, she didn't score high, right? I don't have it up in front of me, and if uh, we've talked about it before, my iPad is borderline. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. I'm I'm asking you for, to get I, stats that I you can't can, even get right now. I can open up one app if I try to open up. No, one, the whole thing's gonna shut don't, off. Don't 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 <laughs> don't ruin it. All right, either way, I just was curious on myself, but all right, go Mike, go Bob. What were you, what were you asking about? I, I was curious if uh, the Jan scored highly when she didn't get a lot of space, like we predicted. It was probably in the 60s or 70s, I'd imagine. Yeah, either way, we're done. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm searching for it as we move on, so maybe I'll be able to have that for you for the <laughs> yeah. next go-around. I'll do my no own filler, filler in, but either way, UFC, Vegas. So things have jumped around a little bit. One fight that they originally had, I think, on the main card, but now is opening everything up, rightfully so. It's two horrible heavyweights that don't belong in the UFC, but will likely get a finish. In this fight, you have Dantel Mays, minus 225, who, for his credit is relatively quick uh, early on, has a good reach on him, and will put a decent amount of damage on, although in general he's not very good, versus uh, I, this entire time, even for his first fight that I broke down, called him uh, Roque Martinez. That's from a book series I've read. It has the same spelling of the name, but on, on the broadcast they called him Rock Martinez. So I'm going to stick with Roque because this is our show. Um, this was the man who previously was utterly destroyed and fooled by Romanov. He's plus 185. He looks like a heavyweight by choice, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I just, for this one, I'm just going to go maze. Like, I'm, before I even pass you guys, I'm just going maze. Just like, I, I don't mean no 100% go by looks here, but there's only like a five, to, I think it's like a 10 pound difference between the two of them, maybe at most 15. And that 15 pounds is like, if you do the math, works out to be about 45 pounds of difference in muscle. So I'm going to go with maze strictly off that based that biased take on physical appearance. Yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah. So, um, uh, Mikey Gills, DraftKings, and a past victim of your favorite heavyweight. Yeah, no, you're talking about uh, Rookie Martinez. He Physically, if you've never seen him before, he looks like if you put somebody in one of those sumo suits that you wear at a carnival and allowed punching. Like that's or like in blank check. Like in yeah. blank check. Yeah. Macintosh. Wow, what a great reference. Uh, that right. is a that is a deep 90s reference of kid wow. movies. You're welcome. Miss, Mr. Macintosh. All right. Well, anyway, we'll just get into the fight. We're gonna start off with Dontel Mays. Seven and four, two knockouts, three subs, going off for nine thousand dollars on DraftKings. He's 0-2 since making his UFC debut, both losses by submission. But in this fight, he has a massive, massive height and reach advantage. Eight inches of height, nine inches of reach. And he uses that height and reach well. He throws the power and combos. He's also going to have the wrestling advantage in this fight, which he can use just to secure rounds if he needs to and also deliver a little end-around damage. Uh, one thing to watch out for, though, is his cardio. He gassed really bad in a fight against Alan Crowder after he was being forced to grapple early. Uh, going up against the guy we were just talking about, Rookie Martinez, 15-6-2, eight knockouts, three subs, going off for $7,200 on DraftKings. Three and two in his last five, uh, just like we were talking about, most recently being sacrificed at the altar of uh, King Kong Romanov back in September. 
primarily a kickboxer, a lot of pro kickboxing experience, has a ton of power and a good chin to go with it. He can take a beating. The problem for him is going to be dealing with his height and reach disadvantage as well as facing a guy who has the same King Kong style nickname as Romanoff. Two Kongs in a row. Again, reading the tea leaves, probably not a good thing for him. Easy pick here. Mays should roll. Roki's tough and should be able to take a beating before he goes out, but I see Mays stopping him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the reach advantage, uh, the, the size advantage. I mean, rogue or rogue, whatever you want to call it, dude. He's pretty much, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say too, too mean. <laughs> he's pretty much a sumo wrestler that didn't quite make it, and he's not big. Like, so it's going to be a, only when Mikey Gills is overly mean about a guy that he ends up winning. You could be whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So either way, I think that Maze is going to roll here. The only problem with Maze, like you said, is his gas tank. Uh, and so that's later on in the in the fight, which I don't even think we're going to need to get to. I think that Maze has enough athleticism and reach advantage and just uh, brute strength to just literally King Kong monkey punch this dude to the ground and knock him out. So I'm going to go with Maze. KO. Next up, we have Tony Gravely, minus 150 versus Geraldo De Freitas Jr. I don't have that written down, but you said Jr., so I'm going to stick with that. Plus 130. We're going to go to Real Mike for this one because I know that he has a bet on this particular fight. Yeah, man, on this fight, uh, Freitas Jr., Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, black belt, super long, is going to have the reach advantage uh, in this match uh, against Tony Gravely. It's not that Tony Gravely is uh, not that is 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 that bad. It's just he just has bad tendencies, and especially jujitsu. He likes to give his back to his opponent, and when you give your back to your opponent in jujitsu, you're in for a world and a world of fucking hurt. And with someone that I've always said, like guys that are longer than you, uh, they they some people say that are scrawnier than you. When someone that has that reach advantage on you gets behind you and they get you their body triangle on you and they get you in an RNC. Or, or you're trying to fight for these positions. It's just, it's a, it's fucking a nightmare, man. I, I just can't explain it unless you've ever been in the position where someone's longer than you with a reach advantage and has more deadly jujitsu. So I, I'm just gonna, we're throwing a, a one unit on Freitas Jr. here. I think this Brazilian jujitsu black belt is way too deadly for Tony Gravely, who uh, has a tendency to quit often. He's quit many times. He's a guy that likes to tap. He likes to be subbed. And this is one of those things where I love guys that like to sub people first guys that like to be sub. So we're putting one unit here on Freitas Jr. to absolutely roll. All right. Uh, right over to me. Right over to me then. Uh, I guess oh. we'll go to Tony Gravely first. 19 and 6. Eight knockouts, three subs going off for $8,700 on DraftKings. Lost his UFC debut back in January, but has won seven straight before that all by stoppage. The experience factor is interesting here because Gravely, he's been in there with guys like Ricky Mendejas, Marab Davashili, Patchy Mix, and Brett Johns, but he's lost to all those guys. So I glean from that whatever you want to. Stylistically, he kind of fights like he should be from Team Alpha Male when you think about it. He's like fast, powerful hands on the feet. You know, he takedowns, he tries to avoid submissions, keywords, tries, uh, works from the top, but he's going to have to be careful in this fight. Going up against Geraldo DeFreitas, I guess we're calling him Junior. I didn't have that one either. Uh, 12 and 5, four knockouts, five subs, $7,500 on DraftKings. And just like Gravely, actually, seven fights prior win streak before his uh, recent loss. That came in August of last year. He's one and one since entering the UFC. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt does his best work from the ground. Uh, he's also going to have a bit of a height and reach advantage when he's standing on the feet. And th this fight, is, it's not unlike what Mike was just talking about. It really just depends on if Gravely can avoid being submitted. Five of his six career losses are by submission. And I think this fight is going to end up at the ground by, at some point probably by Gravely's choosing, even if he wants to. So uh, 
for a straight up pick, I'm actually going to pick Gravely to avoid the sub. But when it comes to DraftKings underdogs, Freitas is certainly a play to watch out for. He's a big submission threat that could pay off. And at $7,500 on DraftKings, I am going to go ahead and throw uh, Freitas in our lineup. I trust him at 75 more than I do Gravely at 8700 So as far for betting purposes, I'm with you. In terms of my side, it's like I agree uh, with Mike Gills. At some point, this is going to get to the ground, and I am liking Jerry French fries to get that sub. Now, moving on, Randa Marcos. She broke the streak, guys. She's no longer <laughs> win-loss, win-loss for her entirety of the UFC. We got back-to-backs. For the first time, we have back-to-backs. She hey, we, she might... She might get back to back to back for the first time ever. <laughs> African back to back. <clears throat> Let's talk about that, Jack. <laughs> She's currently plus uh, 155 against Kanako Murata, who's minus 175. And my little tidbit on here before I'll pass it off to Mike and Gills is the fact that Kanako Murata has lost to Rin Nakai. Go All ahead. Right, well- <laughs> Fair enough. I guess we're going to start off with Random Marcos on this. 10, 9, and 1, 5 subs, 7 decisions, going for $7,600 on DraftKings. And I was trying to think of how to break this fight down, and I can boil it down to one sentence. She tried to take down Mackenzie Dern. <laughs> Do you guys want me to go on? I can. I can go on. I mean, but that's really, I mean, look, she's lost three of her last five, two straight. She, again, got armbarred by Mackenzie Dern after she tried to take her dad. It makes no sense. Anyway, there's no secrets about Marcos. Bad stand-up, decent grappling, good cardio, and I just don't know if that's going to be enough. Going off against Kanako Murata, 11-1, two knockouts, four subs, $8,600 on DraftKings. Uh, coming from Ryzen Invicta, she was the Invicta champion. She's riding a seven-fight win streak into her UFC debut here. Four stoppages along that stretch. Uh, legit wrestling credentials, a gold, medal, a gold medal winner in the Asian Wrestling Championships, also a silver medalist in two other years. Creative submission threat of the four stoppages that she had along that span that we are just talking about. Uh, two of them were Von Prue chokes, and I, I think there was also an anaconda mixed in there. So, you know, we'll watch out for that. I just don't see this fight going for Marcos. I think her best, her best path to victory in her fights normally is to try to take girls down or be the better wrestler, but that's not going to happen here. Murata's the better wrestler. So as far as DraftKings go, Murata could pay off with a sub or just a totally one-sided beatdown. I like her, and at $8,600, I think she's safer than some of the other plays in that price range. So I don't mind rolling Murata in this fight. What do you guys think? Oh man, this is I, I don't I don't choose Ronda Marcos often, but when she's an underdog versus someone who has less experience in the UFC octagon, uh, I I I have to roll with Ronda Marcos on this. There's just uh, it's my rule. My rule is that the OG versus the newcomer, uh, the OG is going to be bet, and uh, that's just how it is. That last weekend proved to be how did Teixeira do? How did Arlovsky do? Hmm, it's just weird. Um, now. It's, you know, like I said, OG versus the newcomers. It's kind of just how it is. It's, it's, and so Ronda Marcos, for the first time in a long time, is going to be bigger than her opponent, which is very, very rare. And Mikey touched on wrestling. He said his first and keyword, and I, and hope I, I love your girlfriend and your wife, fiance, whatever. So no disrespect to her because she is amazing. She's the best Santa Claus in the world. But Asian wrestling versus. American wrestling or She's North Korean. American wrestling, North American, or like I said, North America, right? The continent in general is a big difference. And so pull, I'm going to say, speakerphone if you want to say it out loud. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. She'll be, dude, you see how tough your girlfriend is? She'll kill me. Uh, I, I don't want any part of the ninja of your girlfriend. I rather have more part of Tanaka or whatever her name was. 
So the, on this fight, it's I I need her to prove herself. I don't think she's shown me enough. She lost to who'd you say, Bob? Rinnakai. And that's all I need to hear. I heard the same thing last week where Bob told me that Santos got taken down by Spicely. It will ring with you all week. Come back here next week to talk about how Marco somehow won this fight. Uh, it, it reminds me of that movie, The Great White Hype, when Damon Wayne's character is like, I was 18. I'd kill Howdy Doody now. That fight was so long ago. Says, I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> Sorry, I love that movie. So, move, I, one of Samuel L. Jackson's best roles ever. I, I, I had to, I, I, I see your blank check and I raise you. It's true. You got me with that one, but see, like a blank check. That that's a movie for everybody now. The Great White Hype. I mean, you got to be seventeen or older to get into that theater. Fair enough. <laughs> um, my take on uh, this one in in general is uh, Random Marcus obviously has the more UFC caliber experience. Granted, she has a lot of losses in there, but um, uh, given the size, I do think that she could weigh on uh, Murata against the cage and tire her late, and we'll see how. Uh, Murata's output is affected by that later in the fight. Obviously, they're back in Vegas, smaller cage, easier to get her to said a cage. Um, one of my biggest issues with Ramon, uh, Ronda Marcos, as as Mikey Kiel said, it's just like she's she's not like phenomenal in any area. She's serviceable in like three of the four, and if she has an edge in one of those, that's how she wins. She can uh, marry them together in a pretty decent way, and then that's how you get these super close decisions. Sometimes she's on the winning, sometimes she's losing. She's she's just one of those uh, female fighters that finds her ways in split decision after split decision after split decision, and in a weird way, like if it's going to be a close grimy split decision of a fight i mean that's when i could see going for the dog at, at plus 155 so if you're looking for dogs on this card this is one of them because it's going to be a close fight and you don't know how i would say you don't know how Murata's going to do under those bright lights but let's be real they're at the apex with some lights and like 50 people there so it, it's, it's a little bit different but it's it's still the ufc and uh, there's actually there's a fighter later on the card that i'm going to uh, get into that with why i think it's going to just going to really mess with them um more in terms of like their first experience with the UFC. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Um, in terms of this one, pick just pick Marcos uh, as a dog. I don't have a bet on it as of yet, but if she just keeps creeping up and creeping up, creeping up, like once it gets closer to plus 200, it's like you have to. It's, it's similar like what uh, Real Mike has said on my policy with a Roxanne Montefiore fights. It's like she's a veteran with more experience and she's a big dog especially for Roxanne. If she has the grappling edge, she that's a for sure play. So Marcos isn't as 100% on that side, but obviously there's a possibility there. So we're going to move on to my bet on this fight card. We have Luis Smolka, the one-time surging flyweight uh, here at Bantamite. He's minus 130 versus Jose Alberto Quinones, plus 110, who recently got smoked by Sean O'Malley in like, 20 seconds um real mike thoughts on smoka versus quinones quinones got it the second time yeah and uh, just before i touch on that i'd like to thank uh you know the people in the chat right now we got ryan richardson we got uh roy vega uh prime himself mma for money uh just thank you guys for listening and uh trying to chat and over there they're asking if we could see the chat um on this fight uh, louis smoka uh, the samurai you know, he's, uh, I doubted him, um, his last fight, and then he came and he showed me some things uh, that I, I just shouldn't have doubted him so much. And uh, I, I think that Quinone has got a takedown defense problem, and he has a, it's a major, major problem. I think that he's going to have 
a lot of problems with uh, Louis Smoka's scrambling ability. He's been in there with some of the of the best scramblers, you know, whether they were that great or not. But uh, even guys like uh, what's the what's the white guy? Totally glitching on the white guy's name. Um, More descriptive than just white. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I can't think. Was it me or Either uh, I, I'm gonna skip it. In general, Luis Smoka just his his transition ability and his his the way that he re- <laughs> that, that's one of them. Uh, but uh, so either way, uh, the way that Smoka has, uh, can scramble and was wrestling has improved uh, time after time, and his boxing is getting more crisp. I think that Quinones is just gonna have a major problem. He's gonna have uh, Luis Smoke on him all three rounds. I think that Luis uh, Smoke has got enough cardio. He's got enough everything now to get a decision win here uh, pretty easily, if not possibly submit uh, Quinones. But I think it's gonna be just more of a three round grind fest where uh, Smoke just tires uh, Quinones out, and Quinones can't believe how many times that Smoke has reversed him. Uh, yeah, I, actually, I, I think this fight's a little closer than that, but I got, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. We'll start off with Luis Smoko, 16 and 7, 7 knockouts, 7 subs, going off for 8,400 on DraftKings. He's lost two of his last three, he was submitted in both of those. You know, stylistically, he, you know, he can fight on the feet if he needs to, but he, he's a heavy submission threat, like you guys were just talking about. A lot of creative stuff from the top and on the bottom, and he'll, he'll be on you the whole time. Uh, going up against Quinones, 8 and 4, 3 knockouts, 1 sub, 7,800 hours on DraftKings. Also lost two of his last three. Like Bob said, he was just eviscerated by Sean O'Malley on the feet. Probably set up that betting line for Cheeto Vera when you think about it, which we actually did cash on. So we should probably thank him a little bit in this review. Anyway, more of a stand and bang guy. I, he does like to mix in takedowns in his fights, but I don't think he's going to be wanting to do that in this one. I actually think it's a tougher fight to call. I, I do have a slight lean for Smolka because we're in the smaller cage that we always talk about. And for me, that's kind of like... In a football game where the home team gets three points just for being home, that's the smaller cage for a grappler. So Smolka, for me, he's good enough on the feet to avoid the knockout, and I think it, he can probably take two or all three rounds, dominant decision, or it could be even a little questionable. But I'm taking Smolka regardless. Um, $8,400, I think he can score, maybe even get a sub. I'm, he's a good play on DraftKings. Uh, for me, like I said before, this is my bet on this fight card for the show. Uh, I like Lewis Smoker here at the minus 130. Originally, I saw him at minus 150 or minus 155, a little bit too rich for my blood now that we're getting closer to even money. I do love and have always loved Smoker's uh, scrambling ability. His straight takedown um, ability in wrestling is... He's more going for the scramble. Uh, he's looking for opportunities to get uh, get the sub, and he has, he has decent striking. I'm not going to... Blow smoke up your dress and say that he's a phenomenal striker, but like he he has moments that he has uh, quite a few spots in there. Um, in terms of this fight, though, I think at some point he is going to get it in a like it's when you get to these lower weight classes, like a scramble is going to happen. It's why, like, especially at 125, you went with the fighter that was the better scrambler threat. It's why, like, I mean, some of those guys ended up fading out, but like if you could scramble at flyweight, you had game. It's the same thing at bantamweight. I mean, granted, there's a lot of heavier-duty wrestlers up there, but I'm sorry. Jose Alberto Quinones is not one of those wrestlers. So at some point, this is going to get into a scramble. I actually do think Smoke is going to get a finish. Not confident in it enough to have that be a prop-type deal uh, for this show. I, I tend to stay away from props, even though I'm doing a little bit better with them recently. But dude's minus 130. So uh, my bet on this fight card is um, the 1.3 units on Smoka to win you guys one unit. Now, quickly... Because I don't. Hey, one, one, one second. 
Yeah, I don't know who the, the white guy that I was talking about uh, was Tim Elliott, but before that it was Ray Borg as well. Ray Borg scrambling ability, Tim Elliott as well, and then I was also wrong. He lost his last one, but it was uh, the one versus Ryan McDonald that he TKO with punches that uh, impressed me. So it, sorry it's about okay because Tim Elliott recently ran for office by me. <laughs> That's crazy. Did he, did he not, not 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 that Tim Elliott, but it's a guy with the same exact name spelled the same way. I've been seeing <laughs> signs when I go on runs, so it just I've been meaning to post that on Twitter for like four months and now the election's over so i lost it but that's okay um i've just been thinking about that so either way but the thing i wanted to bring up is a stitch back because i, I didn't ever actually got to it the closest i could find for scoring um the official scoring was just the significant strikes so uh yan for the yan gadea fight so uh yan had 63 significant strikes and gadea had 33 um yan in the win so what that works out to be i don't know but a quick google search didn't find it for me and i kind well, of need to move on i can't remember how many takedowns there were but that would be you said 66 so that's 33 mm -hmm. points plus the 30 no, points 63 for the decision. all right so you know roughly 30 points plus 30 mm -hmm. for the win depending on how many takedowns there were i can't remember the top of my head somewhere between probably 60 and 70 points okay solid sorry i just didn't want to move past that part so uh this next one was uh the one that i had talked about that i think someone's going to have issue um, in this fight, and that is with uh, Alex Morano, who's minus 190, versus uh, Rice McKee at the plus 165. Uh, and I will get to that point for me in a minute, but I want to give it to Mikey Gills to start to break down Moreno versus McKee first, and then I'll give it to Real Mike, and then I'll give my piece on this fight. Yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's start off with Alex Morano. Uh, 17 and 6, five knockouts, six submissions, going off for $8,900 on DraftKings. He's won three in a row before being stopped in his last fight against Chaos Williams back in February. He was a big favorite in that fight, but was caught like early in a wild exchange and finished seconds later. If you watch, he got caught with a clean left hook, went down, got followed up. Anyway, solid fighter everywhere, really. Likes to take his opponents down, but as we saw in his last fight, and there's other fights that you can look at as well, sometimes he does leave himself a little wide open once those exchanges start to happen, so he needs to work on that. But he's going to be punching up against a taller opponent in this fight. I think he's going to want to be careful with everything that we just talked about going up against Reese McKee, 10 and three and one, seven knockouts, three submissions going off for $7,300 on DraftKings. Another really well-rounded fighter on this card, former Bama champ coming off a loss in July. Don't really hold it against him. It was against Kamzat Shamayev. Just guy is a buzzsaw at this point. So losing to him, I don't really hold it against anybody. Uh, but I do think that fight has a little bit of recency bias and going into talking about this fight. Cause you know, he is a good striker. He uses his range really well. He likes to move around and get his opponents in the bad spots before he goes in the kill. He's a fast starter. He has a lot of first-round knockouts. And if he can start to land early in this fight, I think he can start to force some flop, sloppy takedowns from Murano and run away with it. As far as who's going to win, it's another tough fight to call. I mean, McKee's going to need this fight standing, but we haven't really seen him fight much into the third round in his career. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can outlast Murano with like scrambling, wrestling, and all that. I do see the path for McKee to win, but just based on everything that I've been able to see, Murano by decision feels like the safer point for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I was high on Alex Murano for a while, and then, uh, you know, he, he kind of, you know, deflated a little bit and, and showed me some uh, humanness. So I, I, I don't, this is, a, this is just a weird one to me. I can't get a confident feel on, on either side, so I, I can't even, I wouldn't say, like, who to bet on or uh, which one you know is best but if i had to say someone that has a higher ceiling i'd say rice mckee is gonna have is gonna be the guy that's gonna have something to go upwards because Murano just kind of already plateaued to me uh peaked and then plateaued so i uh that's my opinion but i think rice mckee is gonna be able to win in terms of this fight like i said i had a, a little bit of take on this and this take 
every once in a while when you see things happen in fights, it's not necessarily a skill thing. So let me explain it specifically for this fight. In terms of skills at this moment in time, they're fairly equal. I would edge Murano a little bit, but in general, it's equal. Um, striking maybe a little more Murano. You don't have your UFC debut when you are like you're excited you're it's short notice who cares you're, you're in the ufc you're finally in the ufc like you said like, like mike gill said bama champion um i think for sure one if not both of his losses earlier in his career he uh redeemed and beat the guys later he got utterly and i mean utterly annihilated in his first step up into the ufc any fighter that's going to mess with your confidence and this is the type of fight against Murano. It's like you have to take the fight to Murano and get in his face and throw strikes to make him fear your strikes. So he doesn't just be, feel like he could just throw everything at Libidum and just like take you out. So I just, I think he is going to be, this is going to sound mean, but emotionally stunted because of his debut. And this is not the next good next fight. It's one of the reasons you're seeing the odds you are. In terms of skill, this is a little bit closer to even. I would still give the register to Murano, but it, I just think this kid is just nuked because of what happened to him. And I would hate to see how this is going to go. He's at least going to be tentative for the first round, a round and a half, and then you're down a round and a half to a UFC veteran. So that is my take on that fight. Yeah, I, I trust Bob's take a lot, a lot more on mine on that specific fight because I, I didn't have a feel for it all. But Bob makes great points. Next up, we have. Sorry, I was guffed, and I don't even like Harry Potter. I almost made a Harry Potter joke. It's getting bad. Sorry, I need to sleep more. Sorry, Ashley Yoder plus one twenty. This used this was a pick'em for a while against Miranda Granger. Yes, I said it appropriately, even though my mind wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, minus one forty. Real Mike thoughts, feelings aspirations on Yoda, uh, Yoder versus Miranda, the main event of the prelims, as they like to say sometimes. Uh, Miranda Granger Danger looks like something that comes out of Joe Dirt uh, as, as just a character or a person, so I, I can never take her seriously. Um, Yoder, on the other hand, I, I, it's the same kind of thing, but in a whole different way. So I, 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 it's like, it's just weird. Granger has a takedown defense problem. Yoder has a better submission game. So I'm just going to go with Yoder submission. I, uh, just real quick, somebody mentioned Joe Dirt and a girl from the movie. There was an old TV show called Sweet Valley High that just had these two blonde twins on it who are gorgeous. One of no, them was in the, the uh, no, Not the pretty girl on Joe Dirt. I meant uh, the trailer park, you know, where like he gotcha, was just like, scum. Yeah. Sorry, I was a kid. Sweet Valley High is just, that's another deep cut. We're going to keep going on this show. We're going to see who can go. We're going to get deeper and deeper until it's to a point that no one even understands what we're talking about, except for yeah. like three guys in their dorm room right now. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we'll start off with uh, Ashley Yoder. Seven and six, three subs, four decisions, going off for $8,000 on DraftKings. Two and five since entering the UFC, currently on a two-fight losing streak. And like, is it just me or do I keep saying that a lot? Like, there's a lot of fighters on this card that are coming in off a loss. I don't know. This is like, this is the get right card. Like, they should go back to a nickname, UFC Get Right. Can't uh, anyway. get right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, Yoder's never been submitted before, which could prove important to this fight. Uh, also, for DraftKings purposes, mainly a wrestler, which kind of worries me a little bit. Going up against, uh, I'll go ahead and say it, Hermione Granger, 7-1. and one. 
I knew where you were going with that the second you said it. I was like, oh, here we go. Anyway, um, one knockout, five subs, $8,200 on DraftKings. She was subbed in her last fight, but was perfect before that. Uh, analyzing both on Granger, just she seems to be the better striker between the two. So keep that in mind because for me, this fight's equally about what they can do versus what Yoder won't be able to do. And I, I don't think it's smart for her to hit the ground, but the Ranger is pretty slick down there. I think, I think Yoder does have the better wrestling, but I can see Yoder getting beat up in the feet and forced into a takedown that she's not ready to do. And if you watch Granger's tape, you see how vicious she is from top position. So for me, I think this is Granger's fight to lose. Yoder's never been submitted before, but I think we could see it for the first time on this one. Uh, $8,200. I don't think there, I think there are better plays around the mid range area, especially for the card that we're going to put together tonight. I stayed away from her, but I do think she's going to win the fight and it could be by submission. So take that. Uh, for this fight, I don't know. I, I liked better to have a pick when it was a pick em. Like, honestly, just the fact that, uh, the steam's coming in on Granger has me staying away from it in general for like a bet or anything like that. But in terms of a pick, I lean Granger just because I, I mean, Yoder is a finished product. She's absolutely a finished product. There, there's a definite level that she can't get past. And it's not very high. Like, it's like she's never going to be a top 15 uh, in the weight class and like won't even approach it. But uh, Granger has an upside. She's younger. She's improving. She's going to have a reach advantage and which will come in handy with the striking because I do agree. I like her striking better. The pick here is Granger, but like I don't know, a lot of people I've seen are very, very confident in Granger, and this is still like a fairly stiff test for uh, someone on their early goings uh, in the UFC. But five years—that's that's probably going a little bit too far. Like two years from now, I I don't see Yoder in the UFC, whereas I see uh, Granger within the top fifteen. So it's not a crazy take, but I'll, I'll pick Granger. Wouldn't put money on this fight just because there's a chance it could be close similar to similar to the marcos fights like when it's close and it's these close odds it's like there's no use even sweating it with it money wise now we have a great fight up next like a straight up great fight this was one of the fights that got added to the card of like an in a so-so card this fight in the main event got changed and up next we have brandon allen who we were going to have last time around versus uh heinish but heinish got pulled out way late um and then we now we got allen versus sean strickland who did fight and get a win recently Strickland after not fighting in the UFC for, uh, I think it was uh, over two years up weight class at 185. Now, although this isn't even up a weight class, this is at a catch weight of 195. Uh, Brandon Allen here, someone really excited about super young guy. I think it's either 25 or somewhere around there and just huge upside. So Mike Gills, Allen Strickland. Uh, yeah, let's start off with uh, Sean Strickland. 21-3, and three, nine knockouts, four subs, going off for $8,300 on DraftKings. Um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. But he was coming off of a long layoff because of a motorcycle accident, but he did just win his return fight two weeks ago, beating up and then just verbally abusing Jack Marshman in a way that like is the most big brother, little brother thing you'll ever see. Like, he came from a super violent family. But you know, as far as his style, you know, he's not bad on the ground, but his striking is a strong suit. Seems to be where he wants to keep it, and I think that's what he's going to want to do in this fight as well for as long as he can. Uh, he did look good in his comeback fight, and his streaming is one more reason that I keep arguing that crowds should be kept away because it's actually more fun when you can hear him. You know, uh, anyway, it's not important for this fight. Going up against Brendan Allen, fifteen and three, six knockouts, eight subs, going off for seventy nine hundred dollars on DraftKings. 
Um, they announced this fight is 195 pound catch weight. So right away, my fears of a double weight cut aren't there like they might normally be. Alan Style, super aggressive grappler. The type of guy who starts beating you up the second the fight hits the ground and he works from any position to get the sub or just to whoop your ass. Striking isn't bad either. We saw that in the Kyle Dawkins fight. He was able to really show off his skills and you know he's growing into himself as the older he gets. Still young. We haven't seen the best of this guy. As far as this fight goes, I think Brendan Allen takes this. Uh, his grappling strong. He's just, I, I think he's going to be too aggressive for Strickland once they get on the ground. And I, I just, on the feet, I think he's good enough to stay away from Strickland's power. Strickland couldn't put away Marshman. I don't see him putting away Allen here either. So, Brendan Allen, uh, submission or decision. Let's go. Next up, we're going to go to Mike Gill. We got to go to Real Mike because Real Mike has a little bit of insider info on this fight. And every time that happens, we got to let you guys know. We don't have a lot of it, but when we do, we got to pass it along. So, Real Mike, I know you got a little special info on this fight. Yeah, uh, thankfully, my, my brother's protege was uh, as Herman Torado, a former Bellator and a PFL fighter, and uh, just a super, super aggressive uh, Barrett Yoshida black belt. And if you know Barrett Yoshida and you know black belts, you know a Barrett Yoshida black belt is no fucking joke. So when I called Herman and I talked to him about, uh, you know, the matchup between Strickland, I asked him, I said, do you, you train with Strickland, huh? Doesn't he come down to Sandy uh, train with you guys? I said, how's his jiu-jitsu game versus uh, a real jiu-jitsu artist, you know? Um, because there's a lot of different levels to this game. And when I talked to Herman, he said his top game and his side control and the way that he passes is is world-class black belt level. So when he gives me that, and then I, that's the reason why I would like Allen in the last match ever as Heinich was because his black belt level was superior to Heinich. Uh, this time, I don't have that with um, Brendan Allen, and that, that discourages me from then wanting to bet him at all because Sean Strickland is, is becoming to have some – pretty decent boxing he's thrown some straight punches i haven't seen enough from brendan allen now to oh, to bet brendan allen versus a guy like sean strickland who showed me like you said he was screaming at jack marshall because not because he's a nice guy because guys like my brother guys like his protege herman Toronto, guys like barry yoshida savages the guys that fuck you up all day long in the gym and they do not quit and then they make you come back week after week after week year after year and you don't get any stripes until you fucking go through all those years of war so when these guys tell me that he can handle the type of abuse that i'm talking about and i'm not talking about a little bit of abuse i'm talking about straight up cte abuse yeah, uh, strong Sean Strickland is now. I've got to be my pick. I'm going to back my boy. I think that his jujitsu game is going to be equal to or superior than Brendan Allen, so that will cancel that out. And then I got I trust his boxing fall three rounds, so I'm going to go with Sean Strickland. Only thing that going into this fight, uh, me and Real Mike were texting about this. Wait, like I think it was earlier today about the show and about this this pick is supposed to be a bet because this was going to be his bet going into not, not in this fight, but Allen was going to be his bet going into the last one against Heinish. Obviously, now it's a different matchup. And at the time, he was a dog. Obviously, now it's a pick him minus 110, two minus 110. One factor that I do think is there why I would stay away from a Strickland bet. And now that, although now that Allen is the, not just a pick him, not as much, but when it was a dog, I kind of liked it because um, Allen is a true blue middleweight. He is a huge middleweight. Like eventually this kid's going to be a light heavyweight uh, given his size and the fact that he's 24 years old. I actually finally looked up the age. That's his actual age is 24. I'm not just guesstimating anymore. He's 24. Uh, decent, decent reach on him, 77. And he's big and he's strong. And I just think he can 
physically impose Strickland, who is like a lifelong welterweight who came back after the long time off at 185. This at the catch weight of 195. So you have Allen who doesn't have to do a secondary weight cut back down to 85. He'll still have to do a cut, but it won't be as severe. Whereas like, I mean, Strickland probably won't do a cut pretty much at all. He probably walks around at about 195. So you have a guy that's going to be walking around at 195 and a guy who probably walks around at 20 pounds higher than that 15 pounds higher than that and just being able to impose will on him obviously in terms of skill strickland may have it on the ground but i do think the size may have a play into it so no bet on this fight but a pick for me would be allen next up well hey can i, can I just add just one more yeah. thing on the uh the size difference i didn't touch on it earlier if you l- listen to some of the stuff that strickland's yelling in his last fight it was frustration of like why won't you go out and part of that could just be he's fighting heavier guys now bigger guys and the power just might not translate like we <clears throat> translate like we used to see it. So that's just one one other thing just to think about. I was thinking about it before the before the show. I just forgot no, to say it. No, it's a solid point. Thanks for putting that in. Now, next up we have Antonio Arroyo versus, in my opinion, the failed experiment that is Eric Anders or Anders. Regardless, um, uh, Mike Gills. No, sorry. Flip it. Real Mike. I'm trying to stay every other here. Sometimes it goes really great and seamless. Other times it doesn't. This is one of those situations. Tiredness is a real thing. Real Mike. (laughs) Tony Arroyo, plus 120 versus Eric Anders at the minus 140. Oh, man. Eric Anders, you know, he's pretty much peaked and plateaued once again, uh, just kind of out there for brute athleticism. You know, former great uh, football player over at Alabama, which uh, mad props for that just by itself because Nick Saban uh, is just a G over there, uh, you know, teaching those guys right. But uh, this is mixed martial arts, and uh, it's just over for Eric Anders. I think Arroyo, he's training over there with John Jones to get his jiu-jitsu right when John Jones right now is just on a huge jiu-jitsu binge. Um, he's, uh, been tra- training, if not full-time at Wink, Jackson Wink, um, definitely part-time, if not, like I said, most of his time. So either way, I think that Arroyo's, uh, just got the higher ceiling. I think that he's just going to be better here and he's going to get the W. Uh, yeah, well, I guess, uh, go right, uh, stay on Arroyo here. Nine and three, four knockouts, four subs, 7,700 on DraftKings. Coming off the loss in November of 2019, but he won five straight before that, four by stoppage. Stylistically, you watch his fights, more of a kickboxer, likes to keep the fight standing, uses his kicks really well, goes to body, legs, head, just really good stuff. You can actually, there's a, a just a straight-up YouTube clip of nothing but him kicking people. You guys should go check it out if you can find it. It just, you know, it's a quick five-minute rundown of just how, what this guy can do. But uh, anyway, we saw those kicks in his last fight on Dana White's Contender Series. And I think that's going to be part of his game plan against Andrews. We've seen him exploited by leg kicks before. Like you think back to uh, the Khalil Roundtree fight, you know, something like that. But uh, staying on Andrews, uh, the 13 and five, eight knockouts, one sub going on for $8,500. Uh, you guys mentioned he was a former football player for Alabama. We should go ahead and give the guy his credit. He was a national champion. We got to mention that. Roll Tide. But uh, he's, uh, he's only won two of his last six coming off that loss to Christ- Christoph Jocko in May of last year. Stylistically, just looking at these two, he's going to want to get this fight to the ground. I don't think he's going to want to stand and trade with Arroyo at all because Anders has that wild striking style. You see him get into those exchanges, and he is just like – it reminds me almost like of a Ricky Hatton throwing a punch and then jumping with it. Just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to end well for him in this. I think he's going to have to use that athleticism, use that strength, take this fight to the ground, see if he can hold him. I'm just not sure if he can do it. So for that, my pick is Arroyo. And because I just don't see where Andrews wins this fight. Like I just said, holding them down or knocking them out. I just, I don't see that. So Arroyo at $7,700 on DraftKings 
I like him for the finish. If I was in charge of this pricing, it would have been completely reversed. So I feel like we're getting a gift with Arroyo here. What about you, Bob? Uh, for me, I cannot trust Eric Anders at all. He does. He has the finishing ability, but he also likes to lull and have zero output and gets very frustrating as the fight goes on. That's pretty much the extent of my breakdown for that one. I like Arroyo just because I don't like Anders. It's, it's pretty that simple. I don't want to be too disparaging, and I have to go back to that. There's certain fighters that I don't bet just from sheer inactivity, and they're frustrating to watch, and he's one of them. But quickly, we have a question in the chat from Ryan Richardson, and I, I know, Mike, Mike Gills, you, you'd like to answer this, so I'll say it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you wait to last to answer it because I know you're going to be excited to answer it. Trust me. Okay. Um, uh, we'll go with real Mike first, then me, and then we'll let you finish it out because he's your boy. But when we Will Romanov get a title shot? We'll go. We'll go. Real Mike, me, and then we'll go. Mike Eagles. I, I think Romanov would have to get at least at least one, if not two, more wins under his belt before he would get a, a, a genuine title shot. But uh, if he does it in devastating fashion versus someone uh, experienced, like I'd like to see him versus uh, Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. it kind of all depends on the fights he gets next and then the state of the heavyweight division the hardest part about the heavyweight division and i love stipe i absolutely love stipe but he is not an active champion so there's been a little bit of a backlog of people that could fight i mean obviously now you have john jones coming up to heavyweight that puts a wrench in it you have the francis fight that needs to happen they're saying that's not going to happen until march so it's kind of a timing thing but i could really see him he needs to get a name win that's the next fight that's going to happen. It's going to be a name. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't match him up against like an Andre Arlovsky or something like that, like a faded but faded guy with a name who's still a little bit dangerous, but like he can get a finish in there possibly. Um, do that. And then an elite guy after that. So like I would probably say, depending on the matchups and the timing, because he could slide in as a late replacement also with how fast things are moving. So I would probably say uh, three if he gets three dominant wins, He's at a title shot. It depends on those names, but I would I'd be very confident in saying three dominant wins and the final two being like top 10 type heavyweights. And he's there. I mean, he also might slide in if Derek Lewis gets injured and he's going against Curtis Blades and oh no, Curtis Blades can't take him down. And then all of a sudden he's a number one contender. That crazy stuff happens within the UFC. So Mikey Gills, I know he's your boy. I know you're about to change citizenship for this man. <laughs> Uh, not just Talk I can't wait him. to see that Moldovan parade where he's carrying the gold down the street. It's going to be fantastic. Um, as far as I don't know, heavyweight has a lot of X factors going on right now. It's, it's like what you guys just mentioned, the backlog of fighters and all that. Uh, John Jones, who knows? He could win the title and then go back down to 205 for all we know. There's a lot of different things going on between him and Izzy. As far as Romanoff goes, I don't care. Let him keep fighting. Let him keep can crushing for two years. Let him build up that resume. If you're talking about building names, the first one that I thought of was Andre Arlovsky, just because they're you know same card, same mm-hmm. thing. And I, honestly, like I love Arlovsky, but stylistically, Romanoff would murder him. Uh, Arlovsky is nowhere near busy enough to keep him off of him. I know that's not the topic that we're asking for. But yeah, it's, it's like you said, maybe maybe two, three more fights, get him in there against like an Arlovsky, then maybe step him up like in a title eliminator against Overeem's. Overeem's on that kick right now, right? He's like, oh, I'm going to finish my career. Let me do that. Dude, him versus Romanoff in a year? Woo, let's go. I mean, I'll, I'm all in for that. But it, especially if somebody like Ngano ends up beating Stipe the next time they fight, man, Roma, could you imagine Romanoff with his aggressive grappling versus Ngano striking for the title? It's like, that's... That's craziness right there. So, yeah, two or three more fights, I'm all in. Just get them two legends and then get them in there against the gold. That would be a terrifying first, like, three minutes 
of right. that fight between Francis and Romanov to see what happens. Uh, and then big kudos to Prime. He's there in the chat and he wants to talk to him. And he has a very good point. And it's true that it's hard for Stipe to depend with his job as a firefighter. And, and, and that's very true. It's kind of always been, especially like he's been come much more of like a family first guy and like wasn't sure how his training could be and wants everything to perf- be perfect, which I, I get all of those things. But at some points, like we're starting to get like not stale at heavyweight because I, I would say heavyweight's probably as excited as it's been since yeah. JDS and Kane were just running shop with how much stuff is going on there. But I, I love heavyweight for the next couple for the next year or two. The way everything's stacking out, heavyweight is heavyweight and light heavyweight are both poised to make a comeback. We have so many end of twenties, early thirty heavyweights, like age wise, yeah. that are there right now that the next year, few years are going to be amazing. You have like, you like even Curtis Blades. I think Curtis Blades, he's either 29 yeah. or just turned 30. And then you have Romanov and like all these guys that are like right there at like the yeah. 28 to 32. So Chris Dawk is showing good. off his new boxing, finishing everybody. Like that's another guy. Just I, I hate to take like all that excitement because I, we all, you could, as you can tell, we all got a little amped right there. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. Mm. Sorry, I could I couldn't do that one that much. This kind of adds to like what I said about the card before. Like this is a solid solid fight. Nothing bad about it, but just like this is the name power has yeah. started to dip <laughs> um, a little bit there. Um real Mike K Hansen minus 225 versus Corey McKenna plus 185. Where you at? Uh, <laughs> I'm so disgusted with this with this <laughs> Uh, it's just like I don't know. My K, K Hansen's probably gonna win a decision. Being boring <laughs> shit. Boring she's shit. Like, she's at ten tenth planet jujitsu. Yeah, that's about it. Um, you know, sadly, uh, a lot of tenth planet jujitsu has been closed. I don't know if she's over in California, but if she is, uh, she's done doing shit. So uh, I, I just. For her to be the favorite and so much money, I, I just it's scary, bro. I, I I would have to say if I was DraftKings, I would take the dog. Um, uh, we'll get to that in one second. Then I guess I skim the full rundown before we do the DraftKings part. Kay Hansen seven and three, two knockouts, four subs, going off for ninety two hundred on DraftKings. So keep that one in mind. She's won her last four straight, although one of those was on the Invicta Phoenix series, so it doesn't really count. Primarily a grappler, super aggressive on the ground, finishes most of her fights. Going up against Corey McKenna, 5-1, and one, two knockouts, one sub, going for $7,200 on DraftKings, making her UFC debut after a win on Dana White's Contender Series back in August. Uh, similar style when, when you look at her tape. Uh, comes out trying to take her opponents down, work from the top. She's not terrible in the feet, but she's going to be dealing with a 5-inch reach disadvantage in this fight. I'm not really sure each fighter's ceiling yet, but from everything that I've seen, Hanson just looks like the better fighter, more aggressive, can hold her own standing up, plus the reach advantage we just talked about. So I think it's Hanson's fight to lose. And for DraftKings purposes, she is a big finisher. Every single one of her wins is by stoppage. And she's a good date, a good DK play. I know she's very expensive, though, $9,200. If you can find a lineup that you like, I, I definitely recommend playing her. It's just those higher-end fighters you got to really take your pick but she could be a great play if you can afford her everyone's just passing up the fact that Corey mckenna's nickname is the hobbit 
<laughs> it's like I'm sorry, I, I could not get past that. And yeah, he actually trains and, at Team yeah, Alpha. Yeah, I'm gonna say the team name right, even though he apology still has his team Alpha Male. But we alpha. we have someone someone in the chat on Periscope. Uh, Roy Vega, thanks for watching, bro. Uh, dude, you probably have the right side, Roy. Uh, I think that your pesos are good. I just think that the matchup is garbage for being on a main card of a UFC. No, I, I, this is when I, so if you have a good take on it, by all means, go for it. I don't have a strong take because at some point these are two 21 year old newly made UFC fighters. So it's like, I could have a take on this, like that the odds may be way off or they may be right on. I like, uh, I've said it before to people outside of this. I'm pretty sure I've said it on the show before. It's like, I, I don't bet on fights if pretty much if they don't have at least two to three fights in the ufc so i can see them against that caliber but i mean these are two 21 year olds they're likely at the same caliber so if you got to take on hansen by all means go for it i'm going to pick hansen i think she does have more of an upside um but i don't have tons of confidence so it's like if you have a take on it by all means go for it like i i just don't have a strong lean either way um next up we have julian and marquez minus 280 versus saparpeg safarov Seriously, this 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 card this doesn't have very many difficult names. I'm actually able to able. Ooh, sorry, <laughs> bump my little shield there. <laughs> uh, Mikey Gills thoughts on Julian Marquez at the minus two eighty versus Safarov at the plus two forty. I mean, I'm, I know you're on the DraftKings side, but still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Julian Marquez seven and two, five knockouts, two submissions, going for ninety four hundred dollars on DraftKings, the most expensive fighter on the slate. One and one since winning on uh, Dana White's Contender Series, but he hasn't fought in a while. He had a really bad injury in his back. He actually tore his his lat very severely. Not not unlike Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three when he picked up and slammed Andre the Giant. Hogan will tell you today that he still has the tear in his back and you can feel it. But it is Hulk Hogan. He also says that Andre the Giant weighed seven hundred pounds that night. So grain of salt, grain of salt when he talks. It's anyway, a babe. <laughs> anyway, going up. Don't turn my nose from wrestling. <laughs> well, uh, no, I was going to do a Hogan voice and it all went to hell. Anyway, uh, going up against Safarek, Safarov, nine and three, six knockouts, two subs, $6,800 on DraftKings, one and three since coming to the UFC, most recently getting choked out in March of this year. Uh, it's not a very hard pick. As long as Marquez is healed up, he should be able to roll. I think he knocks out Serifov. Even if he doesn't, it's going to be three-round decision where he shouldn't struggle much in this fight. Yeah, his price tag though, that injury risk, that that long layoff, that is enough for me to not bet on him at ninety four hundred dollars. So for him in particular, he's gonna win. He should win, but it's a stay away from me. Speaking of back problems, if you guys see me like fidgeting every once in a while, adjusting my back, it's because I got in a motorcycle accident and I have S one nerve damage and just uh, have to adjust it. So. Hearing about this guy's back, Marquez, it sounds terrible. I, I fucking, I, I, that makes me very, very weary of his conditioning, um, of how much he's gotten to train, of how well he feels in general. But like you said, Saparov's striking to me is very, it's very blah. Um, he's just kind of there. Um, he's going to try to smother you and not do much besides smother you. I, I just don't, I don't know what a Saprov's game plan is ever. I don't like him. I never would bet him on him in my life. I think that Marquez should be able to handle him uh, accordingly. But like I said, that back problems, holy shit, dude, it backs, it, it takes a lot out of a, a, a man 
when your back is hurting. So I don't know exactly how Marquez is feeling and, you know, stuff like that. So I, it would be very, very weary. I would bet Marquez. Now, in terms of, of fidgeting, if you see me notice me fidgeting and moving a lot, that's just the ADHD. So in terms of my <laughs> pick for this one, I'm like I'm kind of in line with, with both these guys. Pick is Marquez. There, I, I can't even put him in a parlay, but like minus 280, I mean, makes sense it's like these are the times that like the the odds makers nail it and you just kind of got to move on so pick marquez i think he wins in fairly dominating fashion but can't bet this one really any which way uh next we have abdul razak al hassan minus 230 he recently came back to the ufc after a lengthy legal battle that we don't need to get into versus chaos williams uh, plus 190 who we've mentioned before uh is a past opponent of someone earlier on the card so real mike Al Hassan versus someone who their parents named Chaos. <laughs> uh, this this fight is going to be a lot of fun for the first round and a half. I, th- I don't think it goes much longer than that. I think one of these guys uh, is going to damage each other, and, and one's going to end up on the floor. Um, it Al Hassan is super super well rounded. He's really highly thought of in his, his camp. He's got really good hips, judo hips. He he, he can toss people and. Uh, you know he's been in the game now a little a little bit, so he should have a a little feel for the octagon and his cardio and and things like that. But because of COVID, everything's so unsure about uh, training and stuff like that. But Chaos Williams is going to come in there like for his name says for Chaos, and it's going to be that. So I, he Alasan better be wary that if he comes in there for a very aggressive, he doesn't leave himself open for a left hook or it's something that he doesn't see and ends up getting clipped. So, uh, but on this fight, I would take Al Hassan, and I think that he has more experience. Uh, yeah, starting off with uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, 10 and 2, 10 knockouts, $9,100 on draftings. And it's kind of weird, just on a personal thing. Every time I hear this guy's name, I get confused because there was another Razak Al Hassan years ago that they brought in to fight Steve Cantwell on a fight for the troops. And I don't, I don't want to make anything up, but his name was uh, Razak Al Hassan. And he was at a fight for the troops in a bunch front of a bunch of soldiers, and he was there just to get smashed, and that's what happened. Draw your own conclusions, but anyway, that confuses me. It's just uh, art imitating life, imitating art. Look, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not. I'm not saying why anybody did anything, but anyway, get back to this, Razak Alasan. Uh, four and two since coming to the UFC, coming off that uh, 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 loss in July of last year. Big time power likes to come out and fight early. The one uh, huge power he always tries to go after you. He's finished every single win of his in the first round. The problem with him is the two losses that he has are both uh, decisions. And the the problem is that after that first round ends, he's a completely different fighter. When if you get this guy even a little bit later in the fight, he slows down considerably. So going up against Chaos Williams, I can't remember the exact name. I don't think Chaos is his real first name. I think it's like. Carmen or Kalman or something like that. Maybe you maybe you can look it up. I don't know. But anyway, he's 10 and 1, four knockouts, two subs, 7100. Won seven straight including his UFC C debut back in February. 2-inch height and 5-inch reach advantage. You watch him fight, this guy's comfortable standing in the pocket. You can see that fight that he had against Alex Morano. He knew exactly what to do. He stayed calm, landed just a huge counter left and then a killer instinct all over him as soon as he uh, got him down to the ground and finished him. Um, and he has won decisions before, but you look at his record, you know how I like to do that. It was against guys anywhere 
aren't anywhere close in terms of Alisson, in terms of just athletic ability or anything else. So we're going to roll with Alisson in this fight. I think he gets it done early and scores big in the process. At $9,100, he could be a huge payoff on the higher end. And uh, one other thing to note is that you can see, you follow him on social media. This guy is in a lot better shape than he was in his last fight, clearly taking it seriously. So Alisson, $9,100, let us go. Given name, Kalen Williams. Kalen, okay. Which I will give him that chaos is better, but I don't know why you would change your name to chaos, but then still have a nickname of the ox fighter. Uh, well, I'm, it's, just, it's, I'm sorry. Well, think about it like this. It's like Kimbo Slice, when he was in Strike Force or Elite XC, was given the nickname Street Certified. So the joke, as I've heard it said before, I think it was Rogan who said it was like giving your beard a goatee, like your nickname having a nickname. I get so. that. I get that. Well, I'll tell you what, Alison, like, I agree. Dude's got one round of gas, and it's going to be a ridiculous first, first round, possibly going back and forth. Dare I say chaos? Sorry. Um, honestly, I just I don't trust, in general, one-round fighters. So um, in terms of a pick, I'm just going to go Chaos Williams because chaos. And I know that sounds like I'm using his name, but if you have been a long-time listener of the show, there's a lot of times that I pick a dog just because of chaos, because it's MMA and – Dogs win when they shouldn't win. So this is just one of those fights. I mean, obviously, the, he may be destroyed in the first round. It's very possible. But he also could possibly outlast and get a second or third round finish while Al-Hassan is whiffing and utterly exhausted and has shown that he can't take too much damage. I mean, he usually can make it. I don't know. I don't know. KS has just enough power. He might pull it off. Odd fight. Real Mike, you got something you want to say? Uh, let him bang, bro. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's solid. That's solid. I'll take that. Um, in the main event, a much better main event. I'm sorry. Nothing against Islam Akashev. I like Islam Akashev, but in terms of exciting fight, a good fight, a gr- I dare say a great fight. Anytime our days back at 155, it's a great fight. You got Rafael Dos Anjos at minus 175 versus Paul Felder plus 155. Paul Felder was training for a marathon before, not marathon, sorry, triathlon before this. And apparently that's why he thinks he could make the weight. I love Paul Felder. Dude's got some big balls in him. I saw Barbosa spin kick him several times in a fight, and they're just still there apparently. So kudos <clears throat> to Paul Felder. <laughs> sorry, I don't got much on that one. I'll, I'll get back to it. Uh, real Mike. Dos Anjos, Felder. Oh, man. Um, RDA and uh, Paul Felder, both absolute just gentlemen, uh, mixed martial artists, definitely people that you'd want to look up to in the sport if you were trying to, you know, mirror someone who, you know, has respect for the company and puts themselves in good positions. So I, I really like both these guys, so no hate on either of them. Um, but I think that RDA's his jujitsu game is so fucking dirty, dude. Like I, it's on another level. It's so far superior than uh, uh, Felder's. This this match has to hit the ground at some point. And I'm not joking with you. Paul Felder is not a black belt. He's not even a brown belt. He's gonna get fucking wrenched up in RNC by by RDA or some kind of armbar pretty easily if he gets him down on the ground i I just don't see it you just just mark my words when you watch rda get him to the ground and the way that he hops to side control and the way he passes the full mount and the way that he moves and he scrambles all over like a spider monkey just like barrett yoshida does 
uh, he's going to be in a world of trouble. And I love Paul Felder. Paul Felder is an absolute animal. His kicks, his, uh, his striking is absolutely beautiful. But in order for you to kick and strike, you need to be standing up. And I just don't, I just don't see that RDA is going to be that stupid where he's going to want to give Paul Felder his best bet of winning is standing maybe you know so but rda also great boxing great kicking himself so you know jason perillo has really sharpened up his boxing in the last few years um his kicking was already deadly his like i said his jiu-jitsu game is already there i i just think it's it's just a it's a lot for paul filtered last minute i think that rda is the real deal and rda gets it uh, done yeah, well, just getting on to rda right here uh 29 13 8800 on DraftKings. He's has lost four of his last five all at welterweight. But as far as the recent losses go, I just wanted to touch on this overall point about the run this guy has been on is just absolutely incredible. He's been facing almost nothing but top, top guys across two different weight classes. Seriously, go right now and look up his like his tapology or his shirt dog, whatever. Every fight he's had since 2012 has been against a guy that you recognize, a guy that you would remember from that long ago, including champions and even goats in the sport. It's insane the run that this guy's on just in terms of strength of schedule. But, you know, going up against Paul Felder, 17 and 5, 10 knockouts, one sub, going off $7,400 on DraftKings. You know, Paul Felder, we all know what he is. He's a talented guy, uh, decent striker. I've just never really been super impressed with him. I mean, he's a fun fighter. He's the guy that you want to have on every card to watch. He's like a modern day. Um, who's the, the other Irish guy, Marcus, whatever. Somebody help me out here. Marcus Davis. Uh, Marcus Davis. Thank you. The Irish hand grenade. Or a kill. Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> but, you know, in this fight, he's just fighting an uphill battle. It's for every single reason that uh, Real Mike just said. I think he's outclassed on the ground to a level that he's not prepared to deal with. He's on the feet. Yeah, he might be a better striker. Just he's bigger and he's been striking his whole career. But RDA is not bad he's really good actually on the feet and rda he's this is his last chance this is his ovarium run he came back down to lightweight said that now that khabib's gone i'm making a run for a title and i think he actually did say now that khabib's gone so it kind of makes him look bad wouldn't have said that part but uh easy pick rda he's gonna win this fight 8800 on DraftKings. i think he's gonna get a finish and felder is tough enough to take a beating for a while before it happens so that just means just cha-ching cha-ching all day long rda 8800 lock him in my biggest issue with this fight, in terms of odds, this is strictly in terms of the odds, not the fight. I think the fight's phenomenal. If we had, like, if this wasn't short notice, we would be getting such good odds on RDA right now. Like, I would, I would guarantee, it's hard to say guarantee, but I would guarantee if this was, like, non-short notice, all that jazz, I'd be getting RDA for, like, minus 130 right now and, or less. That'd be phenomenal. It's like I, I do truly, truly wish I could bet RDA here, but like minus one seventy-five, it's a little steep. Obviously, this is crazy short notice for Paul Felder. He was going to call the fights, and now he's just going to be there fighting. Basically, um, I'm sorry. I've done a triathlon before. I've run marathons before. This is different than fighting a man in a cage. You're not doing. He's not doing um the appropriate amount of practice because i'm sorry especially triathlons the especially if he's doing uh the olympic length triathlon there is so much time dedicated to the swim the bike the bike the run like so much time it's like he is not full board training he's barely like keeping his level equal amount of training and he is coming somewhat off of a pseudo retirement and like all that jazz like 
he's always been a at absolute most two strike at a time fighter. It's like it's one strike, slight pause, spin. One strike, pause, get hit in the face, smile. One strike, pause, get hit in the face, smile. That same order kind of just over and over again. And RDA, even though he has slowed down, the dude's output has always been phenomenal. I've always been so impressed with that. It's one of the reasons he was able to do so well once he got up to welterweight. Uh, Once he was able to handle the size of guys, is just like put more output on him until he got against like an output monster like Colby or people like that. So, okay, I love RDA. I can't bet him here, but I have a big pick on the man. He is amazing, and I think he's going to win. He, if, if it's a five-rounder, actually not. No, I guess I didn't look. I know it's main event, and I know if Helder's doing let, let, uh, late notice, is it officially five rounds? Do either of you guys know? Uh, yeah, I believe it is five rounds, yeah. I believe. Okay, because I mean, like, I assume so, but I mean, obviously late notice, sometimes they change that stuff. But huge pick for RDA. I love this guy. He's amazing. Okay, so um, before we bid adieu we i will do a quick review of the bets then we'll throw it to mikey gills to go over our DraftKings. yes if you're not watching that's the adhd adding up hand gesture with the pen moving down a list like a DraftKings lineup just flawless there flawless there um our bets two bets for the fight cards um i'll be betting both of these but i'll differentiate between me and real mics for i guess those of you who care um the first bet on the card is one unit at the plus 130 from real mike from defreitas jr um and then my bet is 1.3 to win one unit on smoka i just think he's got that chance now mikey gills if you would please educate us on some DraftKings. all right um so we're gonna start off with our, our most expensive play on the day here abdul razak al-hassan the real one $9,100. Coming off his first loss in the UFC where he just simply didn't look good in that last fight. According to everything you can see on the social media, Alisson seems to be back in shape. And with his style, every single fight he finishes in the first round. So if you like him for the win, that means you like him for the points. $9,100. Lock him in. Next up, RDA at $8,800. And like, part of me feels bad about knowing how much punishment Paul Felder, Paul Felder is going to be willing to take before RDA finishes them. But the other part of me likes winning money. So it's kind of like, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, Paul Felder, he's a man's man for stepping up, give him the credit. Yeah. He, he knew, you know, he hasn't been training specifically for this fight. I don't care about triathlons or anything. Triathlons aren't punching you in the face. Next up, Kanako Murato, $8,600. So remember earlier when I said that Ronda Marcos tried to take down Mackenzie Dern, that's the level of IQ I'm betting against in this fight. So I'm, I'm also putting that money on an incredible wrestler with a solid submission game as well. You know, Murata, just, it's, it's a nightmare matchup for Marcos, who needs to be the better grappler to win. And I think she wins this fight by decision, but at worst, a dominant decision. Next up, Brendan Allen. And we have four days to the fight. I have money left over. So if someone wants to talk me over to the other side on this fight, we can talk about that publicly on Twitter. But I wasn't right now, just singing a song in my head or anything. <laughs> for for right now, you know, I just think the prices on these for DraftKings should be reversed, and I can only assume that just recency bias is maybe why they're not. Just with you know Strickland having the the more recent fight, but you know, I think Brendan Allen he's bet, he's going to be better on the ground, and I think he's going to be all right on the feet. And once he takes it down, he's going to dominate that fight. So last up for us, our biggest underdog of the night. I'm I'm with you guys, Geraldo De Freitas. It, it, it's not exactly a hail mary pick because I did pick his opponent to win outright, but. This is one that I think is a chance to work out, and especially at his price of uh, $7,500. Look, Gravely's been submitted five times in his career, like including his last fight. And despite all that, 
I still think he's going to go out there and try to get this fight to the ground. DeFreitas wins most of his fight by submissions, and he has a real chance here. So for $7,500, lock it in. So that's all six of them. We'll go run down one more time. And I have one other thing I want to add, though. But it, we're going Abdul Razak Alassane, RDA, Kanako Murata, Brendan Allen, Antonio Arroyo, and Gerald, Geraldo DeFreitas. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, I'm bouncing back and forth in my own head right now between Murado and Dante Mays. And we do have leftover budget if we needed to switch them out. It's it's um, the Mays cardio issue, if you're wondering why I'm not picking them. I have seen him slow down in fights, and I just I don't trust his his cardio as much as I do Murado's wrestling. So that's why I'm leaving. He needs, he needs no cardio. He'll finish yeah. him in one round. Maybe, I, maybe, but when I'm coming down to like what I, those little intangibles that are going to make me, you know, cause they're $400 apart, I think on this card. So that's why, that's why the difference is there. But uh, I just wanted, I wanted to give people just a little bit of insight as to what I was thinking, my mindset of picking one over the other right there, but that's it. Awesome. Now, real Mike, you got anything to say to any of the people listening or participating in the chat or on watching live? or listening to after the fact that they need to know either going into this week or just for life uh, we just each and every week we appreciate each and every one of you who likes subscribes listens views and interacts with each and every one of us we always try to give you some of our time like i said we all work 60 plus hour a week and uh we try our best to put our, our love and heart into this so uh, just appreciate all you and let's roll mikey gills i know you just did a fantastic DraftKings lineup and breakdown <laughs> Is there anything else you want to throw anyone else's way or anything else for you to check out? Are you actually going to start writing some of this down on the website for a little more notoriety or which, which, which are you going to go with it? I don't know. I'm just thinking of uh, how many more people we're going to sick on to the, uh, the fake Mikey Gills out there. Cause my goal is to take him down completely. Like we're no longer friends. So fake Mikey Gills with the S we're coming for you. That's it. Yeah, I don't know that guy. I mean, it's, <laughs> his, he's been hit rough. This pandemic, especially this the latter trimester of this pandemic, now that Mikey Gills is blowing up like crazy and all that jazz. But you know what? <laughs> we will be back next week to preview. Yes, we got a pay per view coming up. We got UFC 255 Figueredo versus Perez. Maybe not the original matchup, but this is a dang good flyweight fight. Now, don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, RSS Feed, if you're watching us live now thank you continue to watch us live we very much appreciate getting your feedback but please remember to subscribe to the youtube because as that number grows we get seen by more people we get full-length shows up there the tidbits like we talked about we're bringing those back and thus all my writing we're getting them timestamps for you um like comment share to spread the word and with that let's roll